Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer K. Hill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends, and thank you so much for being here for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer K. Hill, the CEO of OptiMatch, and it is a pleasure and a delight to bring to you one of the world's most famous and most beloved authors, Neil Donald Walsh. Neil is an extraordinary human being whose original book, Conversations with God, remained on the bestseller list for 134 weeks. He went on to write nine books in total in the series, seven of which were all New York Times bestsellers. He has written 40 books in total on contemporary spirituality and its practical application in everyday life, including his new book, which we're going to be talking about today, called God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power, in the Common Sentience book series. So in addition to that, his titles have been translated into 37 languages and have been read by millions of people around the world. Neil, it's a pleasure to have you here. I know you have many fans, including one of our, myself, of course, included, one of our other guests, Paul Falcon, was saying you have changed his life in the human resources world and the way that he runs companies shifted because of your book. So you've transformed the lives of many a person, Neil. That's a very sweet thing to say to me. Thank you, Jennifer. I don't take credit for anything. All I did really was take dictation. The wisdom in those wonderful books is not mine, but it was given to me and given, by the way, to all of us to share. And so uh, all I can do is say that I was a messenger, fair enough, but that's about it. But I'm glad that the message that I was given to share has touched people's lives, apparently, in a positive way. Thank you for telling me that. How may I serve you in this moment? How may you serve me? What I'm hearing right now, Neil, is I, like you, I don't like to think of myself. I like to think of us as a collective. I know you know my friend Julie Kroll, because we're all part of this group called the Unitive Narrative. And so rather than asking how you could serve me, Neil, I would like to ask, how could we be of service to the audience? And right now, what I'm hearing, like you, I, I talk out loud to God every day, and I talk to God moment by moment. In fact, my best interviews happen because I like to do what I call soul talking with the person I'm working with at that moment and speaking to. And just like I'm soul talking with you right now, Neil, I'm also soul talking with the the souls of everybody tuning in, listening, watching whenever and wherever they are. And what I'm hearing, Neil, that would serve all of our listeners and all the people out there the most is fear. What do you have to share from your deep wisdom? We have God talks, conversations with God. Fear is such a a virus, much like the movie Ryan the Last Dragon was one of my favorite movies because it showed that the bad guy was not an entity, but rather fear or greed itself. So what does your inner wisdom and knowing tell you about what we're going through right now as a global world? I think fear is an energetic that's very normal for human beings, especially human beings who feel that survival is the fundamental instinct. And that would be, from my observation, the largest number of human beings on the planet, including where I was for most of my life until I was, till I turned 53 or 54 years old, I felt as well that survival was my fundamental instinct. 
But given that is the place of mind in which the largest number of people find themselves, fear is a normal, perfectly normal response and reaction. In fact, my dear uh, colleague and friend, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who has since left, left the planet and returned home, but when I worked with Dr. Ross on her staff, she told me that fear was one of the five emotions, the five, he, she called them the five natural emotions, mm -hmm. envy, envy, fear, anger, grief, and love, mm -hmm. what she called the five natural emotions. So it's a very natural thing for people who believe that survival is their fundamental instinct. Uh, it's very natural for us to fear when we feel that our survival, or when we observe that the survival of many other people is uh, now being threatened. Excuse me. So I think that it's very normal to be fearful. But I have found, excuse me, I have found an interesting acronym for the word fear. Hmm. E-A-R. Now, the new thought community likes to use the acronym uh, false evidence appearing real. But I have a different acronym. Feeling excited and ready. Mm. Because I remember when I was nine years old, I guess I was around nine, standing in the line at the roller coaster at the county fair. And I had given them my 10 cents in those days. It's, that's all it cost to get on a ride. But of course, 10 cents was a lot more than it is today. Anyway, I gave them my little dime while I'm standing there in line waiting to get on the roller coaster. And I didn't, I didn't know whether to be afraid or excited because I heard all the screaming and all the hollering of the kids on the roller coaster as it was whizzing by. And I thought, oh my gosh, pretty soon I'm going to be on that roller coaster. So I realized that I was feeling excited and ready to get on the roller coaster, even though I had some fearfulness about about the whole experience. These days, when I feel what we call fear, I see it as a way I can shift into feeling excited and ready for the next step in humanity's evolutionary process. And I sincerely hope, Jennifer, that's what's going on right now. I believe that humanity is evolving, not as quickly as I would like it to be, not as quickly as most of us wish that it were evolving, but that we are in a process here called evolution, and we're slowly but hopefully surely realizing that the way we've created life for ourselves and for each other on this planet is simply not working. And so we're now being forced, caused to look for other answers other than those we've been giving ourselves through the world's religions, the world's philosophies, the world's larger understandings over the past several thousand years, those answers have not been working. So I think that the average person now is not only fearful, but wondering, what is it we don't understand here? What, what is it that human beings simply don't grasp the understanding of which would change everything? And that's why I wrote the book, God talk and why I've written, frankly, all of the books that I've written, because I hope to be part of that movement 
that is bringing to humanity some heroic ideas about who we are, about who and what life is about, and most importantly, about who God is. Mm. That's a perfect segue, Neil. I was going to ask you, who or what is God to you? There's nothing that God is not. I've been asked that question only 3,600. Wait a minute, let me just forget this out. You got to add another one on there. <laughs> How many times have I been asked that question, what is God to me? 4,217 times? Okay, make, make that key. <laughs> I love you. I love your sense of zest, Neil. I think that's the secret to being happy is just having a jo jovility, a, a funness, an appreciation, a playfulness just makes life more enjoyable. I try. I, I, we have to reach for those in life, I think, wherever we can find them. But to be serious for a moment, God to me is everything. That is, there's nothing that God is not. I believe that God is not necessarily a male figure with long white hair and long white beard, who wears blue checkered shirts and glasses and happens to look somewhat like me, but that in fact a God is an essential essence that can shape itself, form itself into any particular shape that it chooses depending on how it wishes to express itself. For instance, just to use an example, if God wished to appear or to express itself in a way that the entities on another planet would recognize God, uh, God would appear in a different form, in the same form as those sentient beings. So it's natural that God uh, would appear or cause us to imagine that God would appear on this planet to look very much like another human being, a wise person, perhaps uh, somewhat older, perhaps, but more or less in a human form. So I don't think that God is an entity that takes human form only. I think that God is an essential essence, the essential essence that I call life itself, that fills and supplies the energy of everything. God is, I think, pure energy. And I believe that, that God, or divinity, if you please, Jennifer, is an energetic expression from source, capital S, an energetic expression from source and it's an expression that we can recognize, that is, we can recognize it, that is, we know it again because we've experienced it before. So we know when our life is being touched by that energy because it comes to us and is experienced by us in the form that we call pure love. That is, a love that asks for, requires, needs nothing in return. And that's what I believe that God is. I believe that God, in two words, is pure love. Now, not many people agree with that definition. Interestingly enough, when I, when I say this in front of an audience, Jennifer, somebody in the back of the room will inevitably stand up and say, oh, Neil, have we been listening to you for 20 minutes for you to tell us that your big revelation today is that God is love? Well, I have to say to them, well, what that? I didn't say that. And my friend in the back of the room will announce, yes, you did. I just heard you say it. I said, well, I said that God is pure love. <laughs> and now my friend in the back of the room will say, okay, what's the difference? As difference is that pure love, as I said a moment ago, needs, expects, requires 
and importantly, demands nothing in return. We can't even love the person on the pillow next to us that way. Much less could we allow ourselves to love total strangers that way or other people that way. We can't even love ourselves that way. And sadly, we can't even love God that way. Most human beings believe that God's love is transactional. You do this, I'll give you that. You fail to do this, and it'll be a tit-for-tat arrangement. You'll get yours, believe it or not. You'll get it. You better obey me. Otherwise, you'll be spending eternity in a place you don't want to even discuss. It's a transactional relationship. And because we believe that God's love is transactional, we've decided to enter into our love relationship, even our friendships. All relationships we think are transactional. You give me what I need, I'll give you what you need. You stop giving me what I need, I will certainly not give you what you need. It'll go past that. Not only will I stop giving you what you need, I will punish you. Mm. Not giving me what I need, which is what's going on all around the world and has been going on this planet for thousands and thousands of years. Mm. I could, of course, be wrong about all of this, but I don't think so. I think you hit on a very powerful thing that I want to highlight for all of us listening and watching this wherever and whenever that might be. One of the things that you touched upon, Neil, is this idea that we can't even give it to ourselves. And if you were to ask me my humble opinion, it's just that, a humble opinion. I think that if we were to look at the crux of the pain in the world, it's our own inability to forgive and love ourselves. And if enough of us were able to cultivate compassion and love and grace, and as you say, so eloquently pure love, we'll never be able to give that to another person until we can first provide that with ourselves. And so I'd love to go on this tangent a little bit with you, Neil. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to debate with you a little bit about what go you ahead, just Please, debate away. Yeah, because I don't think forgiveness has anything to do with it. When I give it, when I give a talk at a church, and I'm frequently asked to give a little sermon or a little presentation in a church hall or a synagogue or a mosque or a house of worship, and what I say when I'm in front of the congregation in that house of worship, I say, "I'm glad you're here today, folks, because I've come here to share with you an enormous secret. God will never forgive you for anything." And the place goes crazy people's eyes in the front row cross. <laughs> What's he saying? So then I tell them, let me repeat what I said in case you missed it. God will never forgive you for anything. For a very good reason. God needs nothing from you. You cannot hurt, injure, damage, upset, frustrate, anger, or disappoint God in any way. Any more than a 16-month-old child could hurt, disappoint, frustrate, or anger you in any serious way. Because in God's eyes, we're, we're like children. In fact, these days, we're acting like two-year-olds. <laughs> I wouldn't just say these days, by the way, Neil. We could go back in time and look at historical pictures, uh, so, characters. So 
my point is that God understands how a species as underdeveloped as we are, as if I could coin a phrase, as unevolved as we are, could do the things that we're doing. God understands perfectly. That doesn't mean that God condones it. It doesn't mean that God agrees with it. It doesn't mean that God approves of it. But it does mean that God understands how we could behave the way we behave, even as we would understand if a two-year-old reaches for the chocolate cake on her birthday, so excited, Mommy, my favorite cake, and she reaches for the chocolate cake and knocks over her glass of milk, which spills milk all over the table and ruins the birthday party. And Grandpa says to the two-year-old granddaughter, it's okay, sweetheart, I forgive you. Mm. Of course, Grandpa doesn't forgive a two-year-old child. In fact, not only does the father or the grandfather fail to forgive, he actually comforts the child in the moment of her despair. Mm. Do you think that God is less understanding than the grandmas or grandpas of the world? I don't think so. So here's what God said to me in my conversations with God. Neil, she said, write this on your bathroom mirror. Get a black felt-tip pen and write on your bathroom mirror. Understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. I want you all to remember that for the rest of your life. Understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. You don't have to forgive yourself for anything but it would be beneficial to understand how and why you could have done or said the things you did or said years ago. Things even you would not repeat today because you understand that those actions and those words were not appropriate, nor were they inaccurate representation of who you really are. So understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. And again, don't get confused. We're not saying that you approve of or wish to repeat certain behaviors, but you do understand how it could have happened that you behaved in the way that you did. And that expands our commitment and our willingness to recreate ourselves anew in the next grandest version of the greatest vision ever we held about who we are. That's how it's worked in my life. So I have a sought not to forgive myself, nor will I forgive any other person for anything they've ever done. But I do seek to understand, how is it possible that they could have said something like that or done something like that to me? And when I understand how it was possible for that to occur, I move to a place that you did use, you did describe, you used the word compassion. Mm -hmm. Understanding produces compassion, and compassion produces the next greatest demonstration of divinity and that which solve everything overnight. Mm. I could, of course, <laughs> be handled with all of this, but I don't think so. So let's say for a moment, Neil, I, I am with you 1000% and I really appreciate the distinction, understanding, 
and forgiveness and how those are very disparate things. So thank you for that. And let's say that you are angry with somebody. So many people, there's so much anger in the world. We're human beings, right? We have something happens and we place blame or judgment on the person, place or thing, the cause, whatever it was. So how can we begin to cultivate greater understanding so that we can release the anger? That is the question. I was just talking to one of my dearest friends about this recently who was struggling with anger. And I was adamant. I said, I love you. And you're not allowed to hold on to this because it, anger is what causes disease in the body. So I'm going to argue with you again. Please argue away. I love this. <laughs> Most of the things you say are wildly incorrect. Okay. I would never <laughs> I'm just having fun with you. I'm willing to be wrong, Neil. I don't have to be right whatsoever. I'm just here to be observant. Yeah. You. I would never tell anyone you can't, you shouldn't hold on to your anger. Anger that is repressed, that is not held on to, or that is not expressed, that is not released, turns into hatred. And and that's a very damaging emotion. That's why that's what we're seeing now all over the world. Hatred. Have as an outgrowth of anger. No, we should use anger as an energetic expression that allows us to use who we are in whatever way it's possible for us to do to change the condition that has made us angry. There was a guy walked, walking around the planet here about 2,000 years ago who I understood also expressed some anger. Real anger, not just a, 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 a cross word or a negative comment. He walked into a, believe it or not, into a, a, a temple. And, and, and he, he got a piece of rope and, and tied it into knots. And he began swinging the rope around his head like it was a whip. And he walked through the temple, shouting at the merchants who had set up their tables in the house of worship. And he kicked over the tables and knocked over all the merchants' tables and drove the money changers out of the temple with the following words, you hypocrites. Uh, you may have heard of this man. His name was Jesus, and he drove the money changers out of the temple in a fit of uh, anger. Wow. I have never heard that story before, Neil. Really? You haven't heard that story? You, uh, uh, Jesus driving the money changers out of the temple? No. Oh it, it's a beautiful story. I want to go back, though, because I, I like to make this practical for everyone. How can, when we're angry, I like what you said, we don't want to repress it because that can create its own issues. So do we allow our anger to get all over people? Obviously, look what Jesus No, we express it in a way that solves or moves towards solving the problem. We use anger as an energetic expression that allows us to add to the solution to the problem that's brought our anger up for us. Anger can be a very positive emotion. People can use, when anger is used to present solutions rather than add to the problem, it can be a very positive emotion. Martin Luther King Jr. demonstrated that beautifully. Gloria Steinem demonstrated that beautifully. Harvey Milk demonstrated that beauty beautifully. These are individuals, and I could name many others, who have expressed and used their life to express their 
upset, if you please, their anger at certain situations and conditions. Gloria stood up one day a few years ago and said, wait a minute, excuse me, you don't think that women should earn the same amount of money as men if they do the same job that a man does with the same degree of efficiency, but they should be paid less simply because they don't have a penis? Now, of course, I agree with that, but most people would disagree. And Gloria disagreed as well. And so she said, no, we're not, that, that's not how it's going to be done. And she started the what's popularly known as the Women's Liberation Movement. Today, major corporations don't dare pay women less than they pay men to do the same job in the same amount of time with the same degree of skill. They don't dare do that anymore. The world has changed because of Gloria, because of Martin Luther King Jr., because of Harvey Milk, and to a degree because of Jennifer, because she has decided to be an idea hero and place before humanity thoughts and mental constructions that very few people are open to talking about. So thank you for being one of the idea heroes and using this so-called negative energy of anger in a positive, healing, helping way. I could, of course, be wrong about everything I've just said. But I don't think so. Neil, I, first I want to say I receive. Thank you. I receive gratefully and graciously what you just said. And I think we are all proponents of ideas. And not all ideas are great ideas, as you just said. Some of what you're saying, it may be the truth, it may not be the truth, but if it resonates as a potential truth for you, then we have an opportunity to embrace and dance with it. That is the beauty of truth, is as much as it is subjective, it's still ours to shape and mold for ourselves. Neil, what is one final truth that you would love to share with our listeners and our audience today? Your life has nothing to do with you. I ask God in my conversations, all right, what is it I don't really fully understand here? The understanding of which would change everything for me. And she said, oh, sweetheart, sweetheart, it's so simple. It's so easy. You think your life is about you. And your life has nothing to do with you. It's about everyone whose life you touch and the way in which you touch it. And when you understand that and live your life that way, you will discover a larger truth that is the biggest truth, was, which is that at the highest level, in a whole different way that you're thinking about, your life is about you because the way in which you touch others touches you for a profound reason, Neil. There's only one of us in the room. So you may want to follow the advice of this guy from a couple thousand years ago who said, and I presume it, at least you know this particular story, that he said, do unto others as you would have it done unto you. Because it is going to be done unto you because there's nobody else in the room.
just different versions of you. And when you understand this, all of the mysteries of life are unraveled. I could, of course, be wrong about all of that. I don't think so. Neil, I am profoundly, deeply grateful for your time, your sharing, your wisdom, and the fact that you have dedicated decades of your life to revealing the possibilities of what for human beings and what you've heard from Source directly, capital S Source. I'm so grateful that you chose to write another book, that you chose to listen after you had turned 50. So many of us, we get up, we give up. We say, I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too that. But you know what? Every one of us, as you said, there's only one of us in the room. And we are all, we are all beautiful facets. Of this let me share. Please, please forgive me for interrupting. I, I beg your pardon. Let me share one final word about this new book, God Talks. So people I was going to ask where people can find it, please. Not, not only where they can find it, but what is it about? Why another book from Neil? This is the only book I've ever written that talks about how people can have their own conversations with God. I included in the book a six-step process, which is the process that I used. I didn't think of it in those days as a step-by-step -step process, but when I look back on my experience, I see, oh, I see how that happened. Then this happened. So I wrote all of that out so that the average person could experience the truth that God has shared with me, which is, Neil, I talk to everybody all the time. The question is not, to whom am I talking? The question is, who's listening? So the book, God Talk, focuses tightly on how the average person can experience their own conversations with God. That's why I called it God Talk, and I hope that people who are yearning for that experience might find some benefit in mm -hmm. taking a look at the message of that book. And I want to piggyback on what you're sharing there, Neil, is in the book you also touch on how God doesn't just talk using words. God talks using symbols and stories, as our mutual friend Julie Kroll shared when she was having to put down her lifelong dog who she loved and adored, and that same day that a turtle dove hit the window. And as she was mourning the turtle dove, she was brought to clarity that it was time to let go of the love, her pet, her dog that she had. And you talk in the book, Neil, about finding signs. And it was so apropos because knowing today that I was going to interview you, I've been living in Lisbon for about three years. And I was sitting here doing my morning work. And a turtle dove landed on my terrace. And I have never seen a turtle dove in the whole time I landed or have lived in Lisbon. So I share that because the signs are all around us. It's as you share in the book, it's putting the brakes on seconds before you might get in a horrific car accident. Or for me yesterday, Neil, I was walking my dog in the neighborhood and it was one of those split seconds and inches that a car was coming out of a driveway. And had my dog been one inch, one second closer, he would have passed away. And the woman crossed herself and she was thankful. I was thankful. So God is talking to us 24-7 every day with all the little miracles. And I think it's important that we appreciate all the miracles and all the conversations and signs that God is giving us every day and in every way so that we never take it for granted. You, you have no idea what it cost me, though. I, 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 do, I do need to confess this because it, it's not inexpensive. 
to hire people to catch turtle doves here in Oregon and send them to where you live up there and, and release them near your house. That cost me a great deal of money. So I'm glad you it. It's priceless, Neil. The the joy it brought to my heart seeing the the same turtle dove that first you had to send to Julie for her story, and then you had to send to me. I don't even know where you keep them all, quite frankly. <laughs> but the truth is that God talks to all of us in a thousand different ways across a million lifetimes. The lyrics of the next song you hear on the radio, the chance utterance of a friend you just happened to run into on the street, the overheard conversation in the coffee shop. A fragrance that, that you pick up in the air. I'm, I'm standing in the men's department of a, of a well-known uh, store a few years ago. I'm smelling gardenia. And I'm thinking, where, I'm not near the perfume section. Where is this gardenia coming from? There were no ladies around. No, nobody was walking around wearing perfume. I'm thinking, where, why am I smelling gardenia? The reason it caught my attention is that gardenia was my mother's mm -hmm. signature fragrance all of her life. It was her favorite perfume of all time. So when I got home, don't you think I picked up the phone and I called my mom mm -hmm. and I said, hey, what's going on? And it was one of the most important phone calls we ever had. Very important phone call. And it wasn't all that long afterward that she left the planet. Now you tell me why I'm smelling gardenia in the men's department of a department store. If it wasn't a message from the divine, all mine. Just bringing my mother to mind. So God talks to us in a thousand different ways across a million lifetimes, I promise you. Therefore, stay awake. Stay awake. And don't deny the messages. Don't call them, that's just my imagination, just my imagination. It might very well be your imagination. Where do you suppose Mozart's music came from? Where do you suppose Michelangelo's beautiful art came from? From his imagination, of course. So God will stop at nothing, including your imagination. Therefore, stay awake. We discussed this all in great detail in the book, God Talk. Mm. Neil, it is a privilege and an honor to hear God speak through you and share more of this wisdom that you've been cultivating every time before i do a show i say god universe divine i don't want to be able to conduct this show i just ask that you conduct it i ask for the wisdom of you the masters the sadikim and please just allow me to be a channel for this light and that is my wish for every one of you listening watching may you be a channel may you be open as neil says maybe you be awake and receptive May you be receptive to the divine inspiration of God talking to you, as Neil says, in a thousand different ways over a million lifetimes. Neil, where can people connect with you if they want to follow you, if they want to find the book? Where can they do that? They can just go to CWG Connect. CWG stands, of course, for Conversations with God. So CWGConnect.com. I'm there every day, several times a day. Hmm. Neil, it is, I remember reading the book Conversations with God many years ago when I was a young woman and not believing in God then. And here I am 20 years later, fully connected and appreciative for all of the miracles and the wonder. And you were it, reading my book when you were four years old? I was. You didn't even know it. I was a very precocious young thing. 
You can come on anytime you want. He's making me blush again. <laughs> Neil. Did you, hear, did you hear what she said? I can come on to her anytime I want. She said, she said, you can come on anytime you want. I heard her say that. You did. You have very good listening. I have to say, you're not only hearing God, you're hearing me and the world very well. <laughs> Thank you, Neil. It's been such a joy. You have lit up my life and the lives of so many around you. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As we learned from one of our guests last week, thank you, which is the enlightenment mantra. Thank you, God. Thank you, universe. Thank you, Neil. And thank you for this opportunity that we were able to spend together, Neil. Deep gratitude to you. Thank you, my friend. You've got a great sense of humor, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate your having me on the program. Thanks for the opportunity to share this information. Bye for now. Bye for now.